What's up, guys? Our wrestling podcast back at you with another episode. This is Dave Vicious along with Just the Total Package, Craig the British Bulldog, Joe and Cousin Rob this week, bringing you our perspective oh. on the world of professional wrestling. No inside sources, no ties to the industry, just stories from the diehards sharing opinions with you. Can someone feed me today's topic? You know, Dave, uh, we don't always what? see eye to eye on a lot of things, but uh, when you say stuff like that, <laughs> It's just a lot of fun. It's a lot of just fun. Lot of fun. Just, just a lot of fun. Just a lot of fun. We're going to do uh, – I'm trying a little something a little different here. We're going to focus on just certain years of people, years in their career. And we're going to focus on the Brain Busters, 1998 – or so, wow, I messed that up. Let me edit that out. Uh, we're going to do the – focus on the Brain Busters, 1988 to 1989 – it's the only times that they were ever called the Brain Busters because before that they were called Tully Blanchard and Arn Anderson. But Vince has to rebrand everybody. So I figured let's focus on Tully Blanchard and Arn Anderson's WWF run, which was only like a year and a half uh, in 1988 yep. and 1989. But they crammed a yeah. lot into that uh, year to year and a half span for sure. It was a fun time. For audio fans, give us a listen on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Google Podcast, or watch our videos on YouTube at Our Wrestling Channel. On social media, can you do us a solid and give us a follow on Instagram or Twitter at OWP2019 or on Facebook at Our Wrestling Podcast? Uh, Craig, you remember yeah. this, right? Oh, yeah. Like, it was a huge deal uh, back to seeing, like, NWA's biggest tag team come over and... Honestly, like we're going to talk about it in a few, but like didn't even bother me that they were called the Brain Busters. Like it just kind of made sense for some reason in our young minds. We didn't realize the politics and the back smart. and forth and Vince wanting to create his own stars and blah, blah, blah. All I knew is like we had read we a lot of magazines. Yeah. 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 And all you knew is they were the best in the world and they came in and it was cool. And um, to see them in a WWE ring and survive. And we will just survive. kind of see a, it's a bit of a tumultuous, like, I guess, uh, 18 months, but still they got the job done. They made history and uh, it could have been better, but that good for that, man. Yeah, man. I love it. Let's jump right in. In late 1988, Crockett promotions was in the process of selling to Ted Turner. Is that the promoter for and- Ric Flair's last match? Yes, Crockett is coming yeah. back. Uh, yeah. Conrad has a lot to do with this, by the way. Yes, I have a feeling that yeah. his financial money is backing this. So their top tag team being Crockett Promotions back in 88 and NWA tag team champions were Tolly Blanchard and Arn Anderson. But things begin to sour behind the scenes for the champions as the National Wrestling Alliance, or NWA, launches first ever uninterrupted pay-per-view, the Great American Bash, Promoters were attempting to draw a large gate, and according to the DVD, Ric Flair and the Four Horsemen, Blanchard had suggested a rematch with the Road Warriors, but instead they were booked against Sting and Koloff, whom they wrestled to a time limit draw on a pay-per-view. That drives me insane. Um, Everything's fine. When the, when the pay-per-view payouts were given out, it was discovered that Dylan, who was their manager, received three times the payout of the two-time World Tag Team Champions. And stop right this there. This was the... That yeah. sucks. Whoa. So Whoa. I don't know if whether that was Whoa. combined or individually. It does not matter if J.J. Dillis made three times yeah. Tully and Arn. Fuck off. 
So continue. Yeah, what is and by uninterrupted what is pay-per-view, like this is just the first pay-per-view that they could do that Vince didn't fuck with. It was Survivor Series at one time. It was a Clash versus WrestleMania, and then Vince would fire back, and then he did a free. He did the first ever Royal Rumble at the beginning of this year, in 1988, sure. uh, on USA against their Bunkhouse Stampede pay-per-view, um, which was a Dusty Rhodes like masturbatory pay-per-view. And, uh, and so, like, it was just – they were just both going back and forth on each other. And finally, this was kind of their first – besides the original Starcades, the first legit pay-per-view after Vince and them had started kind of going yeah. back and forth at each other on pay-per-view, the Great American Bash 1988. So you would think, you know, and Tully, like Dave just read, Tully's like, dude, it's us and the Road Warriors. How is it not? How is it not us against the Road Warriors? Because they already botched that up. Starcade 87 – uh, they had the match with them and the Road Warriors, and I think it ended in a schmoz. And so, like, that pissed people off because it was in Chicago. People are like, how the fuck can the Road Warriors not go over in Chicago? How could you guys do this? So Blanchard was like, this is your time to make it right. You just rematch us and the Road Warriors. Let someone go over clean. Doesn't matter let who. somebody go over. It doesn't yeah, matter. They're like, yeah, no, right. we're thinking matter. more. We're thinking bigger than the Road Warriors. We're thinking, you guys ready? Is everyone sitting down? Nikita Koloff and Sting. And everyone's like, <laughs> no, seriously, are we going to have a hawk and animal? And arms, like, oh, and you beer you can kind of see the philosophy. The Two huge faces. You almost get it, but you're putting the fucking uh, Tully and Arn out to kill for yeah, for just a yeah. face. For, like a, for people that aren't even Road, tag Warrior, Road Warriors are yes, faces. Right? You put them against the Road Warriors. Road Warriors go over clean. That's it. That's what you do. Yeah, no, and, and you get the biggest pop in the world. You're good to go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so obviously this was the last straw for Blanchard who saw this as an insult and immediately prepared to give his notice. Meanwhile, on camera, the champions, well, have you pay me to take the it. NWA United States Tag Team Champions, opinion. the Midnight Express. So I say, well, if it's going to pay, I'll do it. Uh, the Midnight Express work. with the storyline being that Anderson and Blanchard considered the Midnight Express to be ungrateful punks who weren't on their level. So on their way out, we get that nugget. So Cornette kind of scooted in. So I've been listening to a lot of Arn Anderson's podcast recently, too, where if anybody doesn't listen to it, uh, they basically they focus in on a month of his career. So like last week was November of 1988. This week was December of 1988. Next week is going to be January of 89. And they've been oh, my God. Are they spacing that shit out on that podcast? Yeah. And every now and then, if there's like a big anniversary, they'll have they'll change topics. But for the so, most part, yeah. So, October 31st, just follow hit, easier hit me up. Did you sleep? Did you nap? Did you masturbate? What did you it do? Does, yeah. It's, <laughs> especially back then. Especially that. Yeah. It does get monotonous after a while, especially back then. You wrestled the same opponent for the entire month on the house show loop. Mm-hmm. So, it was like, and then on May 15th, he wrestled. You guessed it. Rick Thorne Wiley and, again. Uh, what yeah, happened? The Italian Stallion. Hit me up. Guess what? The next day, you guessed it. You wrestled Rick Thorne and the Italian Stallion. And it's like the same person ever. But mm-hmm. it's, it's interesting because when Anderson was talking about this point, Anderson was like, we were getting frustrated with creative. They weren't doing anything like fun with us. We didn't have anybody else to wrestle. So at Midnight Express, they were U- U.S. Tag Team Champions and Heels. And they put us together. And at first, Anderson, but Cornette's still great. The Midnights were still great. So was Anderson, Dylan, and Blanchard. That everyone started like, they started like kind of getting house shows up just with that tag match. People were coming out to see them going, oh shit. And they were having really good mm-hmm. matches. But unfortunately, it started happening. It was a little uh, like too late, you know, too little, too late kind of thing. Blanchard was yeah. really pissed. 
so they actually ended their run here with Crockett's with this fucking fire feud with the Midnight. So it just uh, yeah, this is crazy. crazy. So we, the, we didn't the get Midnight this on Express won the titles from the Horsemen on September 10th, 1988, as both Blanchard and Anderson gave their notices to Crockett. Ending the original Four Horsemen, and according to Blanchard, it was the end of an era. The duo made their debut late in 1988 as the Brain Busters, due to their being under management of Bobby the Brain Heaton. So the Brain Busters made their pay-per-view debut on WWF and the 1988 Survivor Series in the 10th. I'm sorry, the 10-team tag match where they were eliminated by the Hart Foundation. Before being eliminated via... No, they, they eliminated the Heart Foundation. They eliminated the Heart Foundation. I'm sorry, were they eliminated? Excuse me. They eliminated the Heart Foundation before being eliminated via that double DQ from the Rockers. This led to a match with the Rockers on WWF Superstars Wrestling, where both teams... But uh, actually, just pause, dis- pause right there, Dave, for a second. Um, yeah, well, huh? Sorry. Uh, and just talk about the transition from uh, NWA to WWF and a little bit about how uh, Brain Busters and... We've talked about this in other podcasts. Check the um, check the library, but they uh, they never let them speak. And both these guys were incredible promo guys. And Bobby the Brain Heenan yeah. spoke for them. I have no qualms or beef about the name Brainbusters. Kind of love it. Fucking love it. Um, but as far as how they were kind of silenced because they were both great mouths as they kind of started in this whole thing. Like, well, there's a reason for that. And, and Anderson was talking about that too. Like uh, he was asked yeah. how, what, what kind of a shock was that? He was like, well, it was a big shock, but he's like, when I didn't look at it on a selfish level, he was like, we were main eventers. We were part of the horsemen in Crockett's like, so in, in Crockett was all about promo skills, improving, no scripts. He's like, from day one, when we got to WWF, there was always bullet points. There was not a script like there is today, but he's like, there was definitely bullet points back then because these guys weren't used to the syndicated television. Crockett didn't do his syndicated TV the same that Vince did because right. they were always on yeah. TBS and stuff like that. Vince was syndicated, meaning he had right. to pay networks. You know, we watched, I think it was Channel 11, Fox yeah. out here yeah. in yeah. Southern there's, California. There's 200 uh, markets, DMA markets. So he's like, basically, yeah, yeah we, we were learning that when we were cutting the promos, like, oh, we're just a – as we're wrestling – a box with us and Heenan come up and cut a 20-second th- promo and then boom, back to the match. So he's like, everything was so different, you know, like everything. So he's like, we That's had to learn, like, yeah, he's like, so basically Bobby just guided them. Like, you know, if they would have stayed longer, maybe they would have gotten the opportunity to do that. But Anderson's like, even when Vince started getting really comfortable with us later, he was like, uh, it was still bullet points. It was still, guys, too long, 40 seconds. I don't mean 45. I don't mean 50. 40 like okay, God, yeah. sorry, Vince. Like and just boom, he's. It's kind of crazy to hear him, but he wasn't upset about it. He was like, it was. We're in a different world. These guys were on a way different marketing level than Crockett was, which is why Crockett was yeah. going bankrupt and selling to Turner. Like you know, it's like Vince just had it down. Vince knew this is. I gotta shop this shit so that way people will want to come see my live events and get my pay per views. Like yeah. it was just. He was like, it was kind of amazing, like to walk in. Yeah, there you go. That DQ that we talked about earlier with the Rockers led to a. Uh, Superstars for Wrestling match where both teams were again disqualified before the match could even get started. This kicked off a red-hot series of house show matches with the Rockers. One match in particular on January 23rd of 1989 at Madison Square Garden, where else, was rated one of the 50 greatest matches in the Pro Wrestling Illustrated PWI 10th anniversary issue where the Brain Busters narrowly defeated the Rockers as Anderson held down Marty Jenny's legs as Blanchard pinned him. That was the telltale ending of all their matches, I think. 
Blanchard. Up goes Blanchard. However, from the outside, Anderson reaching in and pulls the legs out. He pulled the legs out from under Marty Gennetti. Gennetti is stunned when he hits the deck, and the three count goes for the Brain Busters and a W for the man of Bobby Heenan. And you can definitely put that down to experience because the Busters came through when it was most imperative that they should do. When they were also an over. interesting story. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, so they go in here right here briefly before they got put with the Rockers just to get them acclimated and get them on the uh, the television loop, you know, because they would they would tape like four or five weeks of television in one night, you know. So when the Brain Busters first got introduced, Anderson said that he they were at the tail end of one taping. So Vince didn't have them in the cycle. So in the meantime, before they started the next batch of TV tapings on house shows, they were taking on the Young Stallions. So Anderson and Blanchard were like, oh, man, these guys are, like, fucking super talented, and they were. And he's like, they look like a million bucks, and so they're like, we know right what to do with it. <clears throat> so Anderson, he yeah. said, on the first night, they go, and it's a 50-50 match between the Young Stallions and the Brain Busters. Like, 50-50 meaning, like, equal offense. And, <clears throat> they, you know, they get the win in the end or whatever, but they're bumping like crazy for the Young Stallions. They're giving them all kinds of offense and blah, blah, blah. He said he walked to the back, and him and Barry Darso, who we know as Smash, were, and him and Anderson were from Minnesota. They were great friends. So he said that he walks behind the curtain and he walks back and he sees Smash and he's like, hey, come here for a minute. And he pulls Anderson aside and he's like, hey, don't ever don't ever bump for them like that again. That's not what you do here. And Anderson's like, what? And he was like, they're here to make you look good, not the other way around. If you ever want to be fed to Axe and I, he was like, you have to like you cannot give them 50 percent. You they have to put you over. Let them do the work. You're not putting them over. And Anderson was like, it blew our mind because we're like, oh. Like the it's whole time, like, thinking. yeah, he's like, it was a totally different way that we were done before. So he's like, we were fit into programs here. So like we, in order for Vince to start looking at them and go, okay, I'm going to put them to the next level. Okay. I'm when, and when was demolition. that, Jess? Sorry. Uh, it was right. Was it was that? right when they came into 88. So Smash pulled him aside and said, hey, if you ever want to be fed yeah. to Axe and I, and, and because the talks already, Axe and Smash hadn't turned face yet, right? They, they turned face in Survivor Series 88, which was the Brain Busters pay-per-view debut, but in the house shows before, before Vince kind of put them in the syndicated Never TV heels, loop, yeah. they were going against Young Stallions, but Smash just said, hey, like, yeah, basically, we're going to be faces pretty soon, so if you ever want to get fed to us, you cannot, like, like, you, we don't do that here. You bump for us when you get it to it, our yeah. level, but you don't bump for the Young Stallions. They put you over. You don't put them over. And it was the other way around in Crockett, because it was all about work rate yeah. in Crockett. It was all about who's yeah. the best worker. It was about the work. And in, yeah, WWF is like, no, how can you get this character over? Or what's your ultimate value? You're, if you're going to be fed to demolition, how can you get demolition over when you get to that level? But but you have to look yep. strong. So in other words, if they're doing 50-50 matches against the Killer Bees, the Young Stallions, uh, you know, yeah, all those people, you know, Brady Boone and, and so-and-so, like, you know, their demolition is going to be like, well, we don't hey, fucking man, want the these best, guys. Uh, they, yeah, they have 50-50 matches. you could have gotten there. Yeah, he so he was pretty much saying don't have 50-50 matches with prelims. Don't do that. Let them put you over. Yeah. You got to get strong, and then you bump for demolition because that's your job, which is kind of the formula maybe they should have followed against the Road Warriors, but because Crockett was so prideful in work rate, Road Warriors never yeah. dominated one way or the other. Like, you know, it's kind of – so, it's, so, yeah, Anderson – the whole point, like yeah. you said, Dave, was Anderson got an education, like going into a bigger promotion going, oh, shit, like this is totally different here. This is a different world. Yeah. 
And it looks like they took their advice because the Brainbusters did make their first and only WrestleMania appearance at WrestleMania 5 against former tag team champion Strike Force. After an even start, the Brainbusters would dominate the X champions as Rick Martel walked out on Tito Satana and he was brutalized and beaten with a spike pile driver and eventually pinned. Um, they did dominate, but I, I do I don't like this for them because it's because they're they're creating the heel Rick Martel here. I, I agree and with you. Really uh, I go back and it, look they, at that. They like, kind of crapped on their brainbusters on this one. It was right? like an afterthought. So they gave him a win. Yep. This is back when wins and losses were very important. So they gave him a win, which was great. But yeah, the whole backdrop was Strike Force splitting up, uh, Martel becoming the model, you know, eventually, and turning yep. on Santana. Standing hard on the back of his head. Here's the difference now. The Busters can get a fresh man in the ring. Chico all by himself since he plastered Rick Martel with that big flying elbow. Well, perhaps he's gone back to seek some medical attention. Look at this! The power driver spike! Nobody's got that from that! And neither will Santana! Big win, Rain Buster! Wow! Here are your winners! The Rain Buster! Uh, but uh, I want to take this uh, moment to talk about their finishing move, the goddamn spike pile driver, which is one of my favorite fucking tag team moves. And I love that the Brainbusters, they would always fucking do some bullshit too. Like they would distract the referee, and then Anderson would get him up the pile driver, and then Blanchard would come off the second rope and totally drive get his leg down. Too, yeah. Oh man, I love their yeah. spike pile driver. It was awesome. Santana took it like a pro here at WrestleMania 5 too. But hey, you know, yeah. their first WrestleMania match, and only, by the way, was against Strike Force. You can say that. There you go. There you go. After the WrestleMania win, the Brainbusters finally got to face the WWF World Champions Demolition and defeated them by disqualification on the May 27th, 1989 Saturday Night's Main Event 21. Uh, they even That's defeated bullshit. Demolition for the titles. For <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> they defeated Demolition for the titles in a rematch on July 18th, 1989 in a two out of three falls match. After losing the first fall by a pinfall, the Brusters won the second fall via DQ and in the third fall with a distraction of the great Bobby Heenan and a steel chair thrown in from Andre the Giant. Yeah. The Brusters went in. Uh, uh, take the uh, chair. Do I have to do everything? Where's the wine? And ended Demolition's then record-breaking 478-day title reign and became the first team to win both the WWF and the NWA World Tag Team Championships. It was also so that the first was big. Time the that was big. Letting yep. um, Brainbusters yeah. stop that demolition and, and bury um, Barry's point to Barn if, if early on. If anybody wants about, to like, say that, feel I, I'm not it, saying Vince doesn't. Up, right? I'm not saying that Vince doesn't bury some talents, but when you really look back on it. The Brainbusters, he treated incredibly well. Look at what Dave just read, the record that they broke. Not not only the reign of demolition that they ended, 478 days, but they were the first team to ever win the NWA tag titles and WWF. And then when Flair came in a couple years later, he fucking wins the world title and becomes, I think, only like the second person you ever could, to win. You could argue that first. this gave Vince the confidence to believe in those guys when they come over. You know? So when people are like, oh, Vince always shit on NWA guys, I'm like, the really big ones, though? No, he did, did he not. Though? 
Did not he? really. Not really. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, a uh, little footnote that just put it here. It's also the first time a title changed hands and a two out of three falls where one of those was a disqualification, which is pretty interesting. Um, after then defeating the Hart Foundation in a non-title match at SummerSlam, they then lost the titles back to Demolition on October 2nd of 1989 on a Superstars taping of all things. In e- equally controversial fashion as Blanchard, who was the illegal man, was pinned after receiving the Demolition Decapitation Finisher, which was also a great finisher. Go back and look those up. I'm sure Justin shows a, a still here. Um, but that was a great finisher, I think, too. It was customary at the time the Busters continued to, to defend the titles on house shows until that title change was acknowledged on television of November 4th, 1989. Such a different world back then. So, yeah, a month. That's, that's so awesome. they lost the tag titles on October 2nd, but they had to still go on house shows and pretend that they were tag team champions. For a month and, for a, month and a day. Until it aired. It's fucking weird, man. Yeah, that's really weird. Right, right like we live in a world yeah. where like you finish the tour and it was all kayfabe until it appeared on television. So yeah. there you go. Fantastic. Their last match was a best of three falls contest against the Rockers on Saturday night's main event 24. Fuck the Brainbusters lost it. their first fall after not following directions from an enraged Heaton who left the ringside area. Their Brainbusters won the second fall after which Heaton fired them during a backstage interview. The Rockers would go on to win the third and final fall of the match. But on the day of the 1989 Survivor Series, Tully Blanchard fails a drug test and the lack of a suitable replacement saw him replaced by Heenan, who would wrestle for the first time since WrestleMania 5. Is that when he wrestled the Warrior, by the way, in, in the suit? No, he wrestled. Uh, no, no, that was for house shows. He wrestled the Rooster. WrestleMania. 5. Oh, that's right. The Rooster. Yeah. Um, Arn Anderson left the Federation more or less immediately after the pay-per-view and returned to the NWA in December of 89. However, the NWA refused to rehire Blanchard when news of his failed drug test became known, thus ending the Brain Busters for good. Uh, Tully would renegotiate a new contract with the NWA a few months later, but ultimately declined what he considered to be a very low offer, reportedly half of the previous verbal agreement. And instead, he would sign with the American Wrestling Association, or the AWA, which was still pretty profound back in those days. So, um, really nice Yeah, at that point, ah, 88 was getting a little weird. Greg Gagne. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. And then, so not only, so the alliance of Anderson and Blanchard ended as the Brain Busters, which I think a lot of people don't think about. You know, a lot of people. I, I, I think, really, oh, did, I didn't know that. That's uh, yeah, I, you know, I didn't even think about that until I wrote the notes for this show. I was like, wow, like the legendary Tully Blanchard and Arn Anderson. Their tag team technically duo. ended in WWF. You wouldn't have thought that. Yeah, they ended as the Brainbusters in the WWF. They didn't end as Horsemen. They didn't end in the NWA. They ended in the WWF. As Which goes to show, player. whatever addictions you have or vices, uh, w- <laughs> spending any time in WWF will make them ten times worse. So the yeah. horsemen, the horsemen survived a long time, and Arn and Tully survived a long time, but Tully. Well, yeah, Flair it. always talked about the you know the party nights. You know, you got to think it's more than just alcohol. 
like in those parties and stuff too. And so it's like Flair would, you know, cut promos about how much they partied. And then Flair would honestly say, it's real life. Like I, we party that hard. Woo. In real life. Yeah, he, like, and so he lived it, Anderson bro. and Blanchard were along it. for that ride. But yeah, like Craig said, when you go to the WWF, like again, you know, right now is very touchy because there's a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, Vince always takes the fall on the drug use and stuff like that. I'm like, but I don't know. Like in a weird way, like, was he, I'm not saying he was as strict as he should have been. I'm just saying that really, like, was Vince the bad guy, like, this whole yes, time? Like, he was. They can come in. Oh, okay, he was a bad guy, correct. I, I, let yeah. me let me rephrase we that. Back, we fought back and forth and then different episodes. Yeah. yeah I, I still say Yeah, yes. l- let me rephrase that, though. Like, uh, uh, or maybe, maybe Tully, Tully failed this drug test because they wanted him to. I'm not saying he didn't test dirty. He did test dirty. But the timing of yes. the test if you are important enough you do not fail a drug test if you are dispensable or you are a problem or not yes then you will fail the drug test you're saying there's a chance i mean because Uh, sean michaels would have been out in his first run you know craig you and i don't get along a lot but we say stuff like that (laughs) it's just a lot of fun it's a lot of fun like because sean michaels would have been out in his first run correct (laughs) well uh, yeah with marty Jannetty. i don't know so I wanted to say that uh, I really wanted to do this because, like, this is just like a year and a half capsule here. A lot of people don't talk about uh, their run here as brainbusters. Uh, people forget about it. I think um, Anderson. If you say Anderson and Blanchard and Horseman, you think their run is is uh, the dominant tag team champions in the NWA Crockett area, and uh, you would be correct in thinking that because that is a huge part of their legacy. However, we just talked about this year and a half span where the, look at all the shit. It was crammed in. They oh beat God. Demolition after a 400-plus day run. They feuded with the Rockers in some of the greatest tag team matches of all time, not just in WWF history, but of all time. After coming out of a promotion, Crockett, where they all prided themselves on great work, they were still put with a, a good team. Anderson also spoke about the Rockers, saying, like, look, we faced the Midnight Express a lot, and we also faced the Rock and Roll Express a lot. All great teams. Uh, you know, fantastic teams. But when we went in there with the Rockers, Anderson was like, right away, we're like, God, these guys are good. And they were young. And that was like the thing where they were kind of blown away a little bit going, holy shit, like these guys are this good and they're this young. Like we could do a lot of stuff. And they sure. had that legendary match on Saturday Night's Main event that Dave talked about. They had the Madison Square, Madison Square Garden house show, which a magazine, a popular magazine, considers one of the greatest matches ever, like in the PWI they took years. Defin- they took demolition off the pedestal in less than two years of being there. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's way less than two years. Less than a year, I think, they beat yeah. Demolition. And so, yeah, they ended Demolition. They weren't even there for two or four years, right? They weren't even there for yeah. two or four years, really. A lot of people don't like yeah. their uh, go back and watch uh, the SummerSlam 89 match against the Hart Foundation, which wasn't for the titles, unfortunately. So they beat Demolition like two weeks before SummerSlam 89. They had already announced the tag match between the Brain Busters and the Hart Foundation before the Brain Busters won yeah. the tag titles. And I remember like uh, Bobby Heenan doing a whole promo going like, you know what? This match was signed before we were champions, so we're going to go ahead and make this a non-title. And it was like, you know, more heat on the Brain Busters, you know? And they ended up beating the Hart Foundation anyway uh, in a great match to open up SummerSlam 89. Double axe handle! Anderson got the double axe handle blow! Oh, here comes the cover! Tag Team Champions, the Brain Buster. 
But uh, it was just a whole thing that I just remember their tag run being worked into television. Now we know it's because they were just trying to fit him on the loop and shit. Like they won the titles. I don't. So I don't know if the title win against Demolition was abrupt or what. But it's just so kind of crazy the way Brainbusters debuted, and then when they won the titles, then they had to they fought the Heart Foundation in some non-title matches, which is weird. And I don't know if it was just to build heat or whatever. But nonetheless, people don't talk about their matches with the Heart Foundation, which was excellent as well. I wish both teams would have faced each other in their prime because that would have been uh, a fucking stellar. <sighs> like a uh, program for sure. Yeah. But uh, yeah, there's a lot there of nuggets go. there. Like Dave said too, not a great match WrestleMania five, but they faced Santana and Martel as strike force. They were there when strike force broke up yep. and Martel broke out and turned heel. And uh, the, I bet they liked that moves. payout too. Yeah. I'm telling you that payout was a little bigger than great American bash. Just saying. Um, Probably, I would say uh, you're <laughs> correct on that one. And then they ended up leaving. I think yeah, Anderson, not JJ Dillon's. <laughs> yeah. So I think, I think before, before Blanchard tested dirty, uh, if I, if I remember right on Anderson's podcast, he said, yeah, what happened was like, they were making good money and everything, but like they were promised more by Vince. Vince gave him the same speech. Well, you know, you guys are going to be champions many times and or whatever. So they lose the titles to demolition, like demolition kind of starts riding off into their whole legacy and all that. And then Anderson was like, well, I mean, what are you going to do with us now? Like, you know, we're we going to win the titles again. How are we going to do this? And then Vince was just kind of like, eh, and that's when Anderson and Blanchard were like, all right, we need to start calling like Turner now and start negotiating a new contract because it looks like Vince just kind of, you know, he says what he says to a lot of people. You know, you're going to be, I see you as champion. I see you as this. So you're my future. Oh, my God. I think I might even marry you. And you are like, the next. Like, oh. As Jess said, like, you talk about the tag teams we've talked about just in the last uh, 25 minutes of this podcast, from Road Warriors to the Rockers to the Heart Foundation to Demolition to Midnight Express. Um, yeah. Unbelievable. Like, what a run. Like, they were right in the thick of the greatest kind of um, um, years of, of tag team wrestling ever. And I'm glad they got to do the WWF style. And yep. um, I'm glad it was, it was before Tully kind of burned out. He probably didn't want to wrestle at this point. I think Tully wasn't, um, he wasn't around much longer after, after this in the AWA. Um, but no, he never really like uh, returned no. to his prominence on like a main stage after that. Unfortunately, no. he would pop in and out of WCW here and there to do stuff, but he never, yeah, yeah, it was really weird. Yeah, but and probably and, and there's probably a hidden gem I heard about today too. Is during the run here as the Brainbusters, they pulled. Remember the thing, the hidden gem match they found between Bret Hart and that Tom McGee guy. Yeah, that yeah. Uh, that mm -hmm. Vince that Vince was like looking at the to just be the a next huge Hulk Hogan or whatever. Head, right? it's my yeah. next champion. Arn Anderson of all people, while he was with the Brainbusters, Arn Anderson had a singles match out of nowhere against Tom McGee. His opponent from Vancouver, British Columbia, weighing 265 pounds, Tom McGee. Where Tom McGee won by countout. And Anderson talked about that on his podcast. He was like, I was just pulled aside. They explained it to me that we trust you. You're a good worker. Get in there and see what this guy's got. Because this was two years after that match with Bret Hart. And Tom McGee just kept kind of failing wow. the test, failing the test after that. Not a Tom drug McGee test, like, bruised my sternum, yeah. uh, bruised, uh, hurt my scrotum. Uh, he said, I remember this being a four-finger stinker. Could, what did he, he so what did, he, what did he say after the match? What was he, said, he said, if I remember right, this was a four-finger stinker. 
and uh, and I don't know what that means, <laughs> but he made me laugh when he said it. And uh, he just said all that was explained to me before I went in there was like, we're not testing you out for a singles run. We want to see. We trust you as a worker. It's a house show. We want to see what this McGee guy can do. And this was two years after the Brett like house show match where Brett put him over and yeah. did that whole thing or whatever. So they were just still trying. Within like three years, they were trying to push this Tom McGee. I just didn't. I never knew that Anderson took him on. And I guess it was in. It was overseas is when it happened because I guess uh, – or, or it might be American, but like they never Amer- they never aired it on American television. I need to go back and listen to the podcast. But when they played the clip from it, they just played the introductions. Ladies and gentlemen, one half of the Brain Busters, Arn Anderson, and his opponent, Tom McGee. And then uh, the host stopped it and said, we're not going to – everything else is in French. So I think it only aired in the foreign market. I think it was taped here and never made television here. And it just aired in the foreign market or whatever. So this match, That's uh, I guess, didn't this footage didn't exist until 2015 when finally some guy on a French market said, oh, he posted it on YouTube. And then that's when everyone's like, holy shit, Arn Anderson fought Tom McGee? No fucking way. And like, so I guess it's <laughs> been lit. God bless YouTube, except for us when they take shit down. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. Sorry. I had to fit that in there because I forgot it. to say that in the main part of the, the, the yeah, You got to say it every episode, so. We'll, yeah. And we'll leave it there. For audio fans, give us a listen on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Google Podcast. Our watch our video is on YouTube at our wrestling channel. I think it's called Stupid YouTube now, apparently. On social yeah. media, can you it give is. us a follow on Instagram or Twitter at OWB2019 or on Facebook at Our Wrestling Podcast. For Jess and Craig, this is Dave with the OWP signing off. Have a good one. Doesn't this don't be a little like a cow? Do you got the rain? This world is a rock to pay.